Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. I do. I do. I, I challenged them when we came back in. Uh, we know it wasn't good enough tonight. They know. Uh, we've got the right uh, team in that locker room, the right group of guys. We've got great leadership. Um, they know. They know we didn't play better. They, we didn't play well enough. We didn't coach well enough. Nothing across the board was good enough tonight. Um, and, and like I said, the best thing is we get four days from now an opportunity to come out um, and, and try to get back on track. And I believe we'll do the things we need to do, uh, control what we can control, and ultimately band together close as ever uh, to come out here and try to get a win on Thursday. There he is, KOC, pick, picking up the pieces after a near-historic home loss. And when I say that, I mean the only other time the Vikings at home in their history have been blown out to that extent. Uh, this was a 37-point loss. They lost by 42 points to the St. Louis Cardinals at the time. 1963, October 10, uh, October 6th, 1963. Mm. Judd, you saw history inside U.S. Bank Stadium. Nearly history. Yes, because contrary to popular belief, I did not see that 1963 game. <laughs> now, there was a 1980 blowout by the Eagles at yeah, Met Stadium. 35, yeah. That was bad and that I was alive for, but yes, Cardinal did not see. Yeah. Well, uh, we do statements every Monday here on Mackie and Judd, and so let's just get right into them. I'll give you guys the first one. Okay. People think the Vikings are frauds now. That's the statement. People kind of thought the Vikings were frauds all year just because, you know, the way they're winning, no, no blowouts, a lot of just down to the wire, maybe some luck involved and things like that. Uh, but now it's official. Most people who talk about the NFL around the country, the national perspective, until they change the narrative, uh, people are going to think the Vikings are frauds. So they came into the game yesterday before they got their asses kicked with the second-worst point differential of any 8-1 and team in NFL history. Only the 1976 Raiders, and they were, the, the Vikings were a, a 35, plus 35 point differential. The Raiders in 1976 were 8-1, and, and they were like a plus 11, I want to say. And so now the Vikings are 8-2, and two, and they are a minus point differential this morning. I haven't seen research on that I don't know how many eight and two teams or better have been a minus point differential uh, this far into the season so Vegas was right about the Cowboys being favorites and to this point <laughs> you know the people who think that they and they're frauds in terms of like Super Bowl contender frauds I should say and now it's up to the Vikings to 
bounce back and prove those people wrong. I believe Kevin Seifert had it as they are the only team to be 8-2 and two with a negative point differential for uh, ESPN stats go. and info. So, yes, they are the first <laughs> and only one to be that team. Fun times. It happens. Yeah, I mean, they. here's my statement. I'm going to bring some some happiness to the show. I'm happy. I'm I'm happy. I mean, it didn't, I'm gonna it didn't bring ruin some, my life or anything. I, I, well, I'm going to bring some. Going to the playoffs. I'm going to bring some encouragement. How does that sound? Okay, with my statement. Very unjud like. Thank God for the NFC. Yes, Dallas played great, but let's let's look at let's take a step back because yeah, you gave up 40 points. Let's take a step back at home, and and look at this. All right, Dallas played great, but Dallas isn't great. Like Dallas isn't. They're not trucking teams on a weekly basis. Philadelphia almost lost to the Indianapolis Colts and Jeff Saturday on Dude, Sunday. Dude, that's a feisty football team now. It is. But but the fact is, Philly improved to 9-1, and one, but it's not like they blew the Colts out, the drawers off the Colts. And then furthermore, the other surprise team, I guess if you want to call it that, in the NFC, the Giants got beat by the Lions. Another point, another surprise team. Yeah. The Lions are 4-6. and six. The Lions the are knocking on the door of a playoff spot. Uh, yeah, my guy, Dan, out. our guy, Dan Campbell. Uh, but anyway, the reality is this. As bad as that game was, if the Vikings make the proper corrections, and I do believe that O'Connell is from, from just the what we saw post-game there, too. Like, it doesn't surprise me that O'Connell mentally will bring this team back. I really think he's he's not going to, like, go crazy now, and the team's going to tighten up, uh, hopefully. But that being said, if you look at the conference, you know, it's it's not as if you looked at Dallas and thought, oh, boy, that is the juggernaut team like they were in the 90s, and everybody screwed. That's not the case. Thank God for the NFC. Yeah, okay. That's a silver lining. You could have given that silver lining out. No, I wanted to tear up my statue. <laughs> I wanted to tear up my statue. All right, Declan. All right, my uh, first statement is Kirk Cousins deserves zero blame for that loss yesterday. I know Mackie handed out a tiny little 5% piece of pie. I gave him 5 gave him a little 5% piece of pie. Man, when you're pressured 65% of the time and you got, you're trying to stop Micah Parsons, your star tackle goes out with another concussion, um, I don't look at this loss as Kirk. This is classic Kirk Cousins shipwrecking and him playing in prime time. And this is an absolute all Kirk Cousins fault. I don't think Kirk Cousins deserves next to any fault for this loss. Uh, uh, from from the points I made on Purple Daily, I believe Tony Pollard and Micah Parsons, the Vikings couldn't stop those two players. And they were all over on both sides of the ball. They were all over the Vikings. Kirk couldn't overcome that. Every time he was dropping back, it just seemed like Kirk was being pressured, right? You got sacked like three or four times just on the on the first few drives of the second half. They abandoned the run game. TJ Hawkinson, who I have a statement on later, dropped a would-be touchdown. Like I, I when I look at this loss, nothing of it for me falls on the quarterback Kirk Cousins. Yeah, he was so the, the official number from PFF is sixty percent of dropbacks. Who's under pressure? I think ESPN had it like sixty-three, so whatever. Maybe they're debating one of the plays being a pressure versus another one, but yeah, that's the, that's. I, I will continue to hammer him for as a thirty-four-year-old, you know, ten-plus-year NFL veteran. He is worse under pressure than the average quarterback is statistically. He has not made the adjustment late in his career. I can see like young quarterbacks 
not being good under pressure. But when you've seen that, when you played 130 NFL games, he should be better against pressure. But I do, I do not carry that criticism over into yesterday's game. That was an extraordinarily uh, ridiculous amount of pressure that pretty much no quarterback in the league would have been able to to overcome. He was four for eleven, so he he was pressured on eighteen dropbacks. Seven were sacks. Of the of the eleven that weren't, he was four of eleven uh, for an average yards per attempt of three and a half. So eighteen dropbacks under pressure, four completions in that game. In part because he's not good under pressure, but also because the type of pressure was impossible to overcome. Just boom, guy in your face right when you drop back. It was bad. Okay. My next statement. I feel bad for Tony Romo and Jim Nance. (laughs) Don't. Those guys traveled all the way. Where does Tony Romo live? Still in Dallas somewhere? Dallas, yeah. Probably. And Jim Nance probably has six homes, three in Hawaii, a couple in Florida somewhere. Houston probably, right? Because he's from Houston. Okay. So those guys traveled all the way to the great north, to Minneapolis, and they basically did a regional broadcast for half of the game. Chris Myers? (laughs) Yes. This was a nationally televised game for the first half, and then a few minutes into the second half, and I am in this national audience because I am not in the Minneapolis uh, market. CBS jumps on. James Brown jumps on from the studio and basically apologized for the Vikings' performance and said, we're going to find you guys a more competitive game to watch. And they flipped over to Bengals Steelers in the third quarter. I can't ever remember a nationally televised game in that afternoon window flipping to a different game that early. You might see it with like five minutes to go or two minutes to go. Oh, okay, we got we got something's happening at the end of this Ravens game, you got to go see it. Uh, they bailed with like an hour of televised time left. <laughs> and Tony Romo and Jim Nance were doing a regional broadcast for Minneapolis, St. Paul, and Dallas, which is still a huge market. But those poor guys. I believe oh, uh, it's for them. The, only, the, the last time they were here was in 2018 when a rookie Josh Allen... Absolute or second year Josh Allen, I believe, absolutely kicked the Vikings' ass early at US Bank Stadium. It was like one of the first really big Kirk meltdown, horrible games. Yeah. So the last two times they've come here, I think the Vikings have been outscored, like no exaggeration, like sixty to nine. Like it's yeah. just been terrible. <laughs> so bad. I believe the Bills were sixteen and a half point underdogs in that. They were. Yeah. yeah, that was a bad. They one. weren't good, and, uh, and and in that game, if you guys recall, Jerry Hughes destroyed them. He like got to Kirk. It, it was it was Micah Parsons, the exact same thing. Jerry Hughes like spent the entire game in the backfield. Yeah, it was kind of the the game where everyone looked at Josh Allen a little bit differently and said, oh, "Okay, this guy, is a little, there was a little something there." Okay. Do you remember when he when he he leapt over Anthony Barr? And yeah, that yeah. was the play that they replayed and replayed. They're like, "Oh my God, the athletic nature!" And how fitting was it that Anthony Barr now with the Cowboys had to sit out injury yesterday? Mm-hmm. All right. He didn't get his revenge, unfortunately. Uh, here's my next statement. It's very, very simple. The Vikings were soft. You just want us to say it, don't you? The Vikings were soft. S-A-W-F-T. Soft. soft. Give it meaning. Try it again. Okay. S-A-W-F-T. Soft. Thank you. You're to welcome. the tune of this, the Dallas Cowboys, 151 yards rushing, but you talk about setting a tempo and a tone. 
108 of those in the first half, okay? You know what they call that in the National Football League? Football. Establishing the run. Exactly. <laughs> and you know what can't happen to you in a playoff game? Where, by the way, you'll see this. It can't happen to you in a playoff game or else you're dead. You yep. know what the Cowboys' run was yesterday, Judd? What's that? Established. Oh, it yeah. Established. Oh, wow. It was, as, as Mike McCarthy said, it was tough. We're tough. Pittsburgh tough. And on the other side of the ball, did you guys realize six of the Cowboys' seven sacks of Cousins came with a four-man rush? They didn't even have to blitz. Nope. This is the definition of soft, okay? And soft and football do not mix. You don't mix your drinks and you don't mix well. soft and football. Well, De- Dex does. I don't because I just stick to my surly beers. But anyway, that is soft. And that is a problem. And that, I I will say this, that can't happen again. That can't happen. If that happens again, you got big problems. Both sides of the football. You have to be, I understand Micah Parsons is great, and I understand that Pollard was great yesterday, and I get that Dallas was committed to the run, but guess what? Everyone now is going to be committed to the run until you prove that you can stop it. Find a way to stop it. Yeah, I think uh, yesterday was was sort of like, okay, are they have they just been playing teams that are a little soft in the trenches all year, and now they're running into some of the best trench teams in the league, Washington, yeah. Buffalo. Bills don't have a run game, though. Bills Bills don't care about running. The, so the Bills on the defensive side and in pass protection are great in the trenches, but they aren't like punch you in the mouth, run it down your throat like right. the Cowboys are sometimes. So, but you're going to find out more because if if the same thing happens, I'm talking like your own offensive line versus their defense trenches, which New England has done that to a lot of teams. You're just going to have to figure this out. These are you don't just like get to play these games and then oh now, now things get easier. If you get to January, February, right. these are the types of games you're going to be playing, and you can't be S A W F T. So, off. Okay. Uh, my next statement, I teased it, uh, and it is TJ Hawkinson was terrible in his Minnesota debut yesterday. Terrible. Uh, right. That was his. That was his Minnesota debut. Yeah, because he was in Washington, um, and then was obviously in Buffalo. So that was the first home game, um, and had a very stellar first two games, and kind of established himself, I believe, as the second biggest weapon in this offense uh, for Kirk Cousins after Justin Jefferson. But yesterday drops a would be easy gimme touchdown in the corner of the end zone. You just have to have it. I'll give him a little bit of pass for the next play where he targeted. I think Kirk just just threw a, a bad ball. Um, I, I don't blame Hawkinson for, I think Romo kind of hinted that, well, he's got to make that cut a little faster. Yeah, maybe, but in general, I thought it was a bad throw from Kirk. He was targeted officially in this game, I believe, nine times. They went to him all the time. He had a penalty that negated a positive play for them. Um, the state of Hawk was a little bit rough here in Minneapolis, and uh, I expect better things from him. This doesn't shipwreck him, doesn't skew my perception of him, but I thought just eye test-wise, he was one of the worst players on the football field for the Vikings yesterday. How much different is that game if he catches the touchdown pass that went right through his arm? Completely different. I think that it changes um, the game flow. Don't you guys? Because like that game got away. Three lead, right? Is that what they they tied the game at three instead of taking a seven to three lead? Correct. Yes. I think. Yeah. Yes, but I mean, I think it. I, I think it had the potential to alter. The game flow. There's a few plays that, if, if you guys go back and watch this, in the first half, there's a few plays that if you make them have the potential to change that game. That's one of them. 
the Zadarius Smith certain sack on Prescott, which Prescott escaped from and got a first down and kept the drive going, was was one. Now, that would have come on a first down sack, but it would have made it like first and 16 or something like that. So there were definitely plays that changed the game flow and changed Dallas' ability to basically continue to take it to the Vikings physically that the Vikings failed at. The other big, so the, I was just looking through the, the game log again here to jog my memory. So they they settled for a field goal instead of scoring a touchdown. Okay, that changed the game flow. Then Dallas comes down, scores a touchdown. Now it's 10-3. to But at this point, you feel like, okay, already marched down one time. Maybe this will just be kind of a shootout, whatever. Yep. And then the Vikings start marching again. And so first down, Dalvin Cook runs for five yards, and then they ran no huddle on the second down play. And Adam Thielen caught a 15-yard pass to get toward midfield. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it looks like they're marching. And then uh, and then the first quarter ends. Another five-yard gash from Dalvin Cook. Uh, there's a TR game. So now it's third and three. You are at midfield. And uh, you're looking to, to drive down and tie the game. And Kirk gets sacked on third down and three mm. from, like, the 50-yard line. And they're forced to punt. Yep. And that was a little bit of an, oh, oh, no, they've been getting pressure. And now they just, on a third and three, where the Vikings in short yardage, third downs have been really good this year. And Dallas finds a way to end this drive. And now the Vikings punt, and then Dallas scores again. I thought that that sack on third and three from midfield, when it looked and felt like, oh, the Vikings are just going to drive again mm-hmm. and tie the game, that was a huge game changer. Too. Speaking of game changers. We'd like to welcome a new partner to Mackie and Judd here to score North. We already did this on Purple Daily. The official new home bar and tavern of the sports dad, Judd Zolgad. Park Tavern, one of our favorite spots in the Twin Cities. Oh, we love it. And and look, I've got the hat, Park Tavern hat. I've got the hoodie, Park Tavern. And I got plans tonight. I got plans tonight to be at the corner of the bar, Park Tavern. Declan might join me. Little MNF Monday Night Football. Little Wolves against the Heat as well. There are so many different reasons to go to Park Tavern. Uh, Phil and I got the tour of the place three weeks back or so. And the amount of space, and we've both been there a thousand times, but the amount of space in that bar is incredible. You can throw your parties there, birthday parties, holiday, company, it. If you're trying to throw a surprise party for your wife, guess what? It's the easiest place because they are going to help you. They are going to give you help. They're going to make it as easy as possible. And, of course, great food, a large selection of beers on tap. And you can watch games there as long as you want because it's fantastic, or at least until they close. So, Park Tavern, located off Louisiana Avenue South in St. Louis Park. Been there for 42 years. Family-owned and run business. Uh, If you do want to check on the availability of a party, 952-929-6810. Or visit uh, parktavern.net, parktavern.net to make reservations. Again, Park Tavern, Louisiana Avenue South, St. Louis Park. Welcome aboard. Sports Dad now has a bar. (laughs) Surly on tap. That's right. You thought Linval Joseph and Ndamukong Sue signing with the Eagles were great mid-season no. free agent signings. No, Judd signing with Park Tavern is yep. the big I inked free the agent signing. <laughs> also, a shout-out to our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Uh, they've been helping us grow our business here at Score North for the last few years. And um, they ha- they're just a great guiding hand for other businesses inside and outside the state of Minnesota. I'm planning on going down there and... Uh, 
and talking to the folks at Federated in a week from today, I believe. Today's right. Monday, so looking forward to to hanging out. Um, Federated Insurance, 100-plus years of helping navigate and guide businesses. Find out more at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. Um, let's uh, let's transition here, Dex. Let's transition into uh, the second part of Viking statements today. And I'm going to give you this one. We might sprinkle this in on Purple Daily tomorrow, too, but it's it's just it's too juicy. And I want Vikings fans to feel some hope and some optimism today to some extent. So my next statement is this loss does not eliminate the Vikings from doing playoff damage or from winning a Super Bowl. In fact, there is historical precedent recently, especially of Super Bowl winning teams hitting major stumbling blocks midseason and or getting smoked at home. And I haven't done, like, all of the teams yet, but I'm going to give you four teams in the last, like, 11 years of the NFL that won the Super Bowl despite having crazy big hiccups fairly late in the season, okay? Let's start with the 2021 Rams. They were blown out at home by the Cardinals early in their season. Then they were blown out at home by the Titans. They were down 29 or 28 to 9 in a game against the Titans. They scored a garbage time touchdown to make the game look a little bit closer. But two absolute home blowout, embarrassing losses, including a stretch of 35 days without a win period in November and early December. That was last year's Super Bowl champions where Kevin O'Connell was the offensive coordinator. They got their bleep together in December and January. And they went on, obviously, to hoist a Lombardi. The 2020 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they were blown out 38-3 to at home by the Saints. They fell to 7-5 and after 12 games. They didn't figure it out until December. They actually, the, the, the figure it out game for them was after the bye against the Vikings, the Dan Bailey game, the wind was whipping. Oh, yeah, that was it. In fairness. Uh, they didn't lose a game after that. They ran the table the rest of the regular season, and then they ran the table in the postseason. But they were absolutely embarrassed by the Saints and were 7-5 and five after 12 games. Mm-hmm. Now they had Tom Brady. So, Well, you guys said you'd take Kirk Cousins over Tom Brady last week on this show. Well, not 2020. But, yes, okay. I said 2020. I did say 2022, okay. as crazy as it might sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I said that. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's Bring fair. it on. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's mm-hmm. fair. Mm-hmm. You can challenge me all you want. 2012 Ravens. They started 9-2 and two and then imploded in December. They lost like four of their last five games and just stumbled drunkenly down the stretch, including a blowout loss at home to Denver. They, they barely snuck in the playoffs as a, a 10-win team. And then it all clicked for Joe Flacco and company in the month of January. They, they had to play four playoff games, including the Super Bowl. They won all of them, including a revenge game against Denver on the road. So the 2000, the 2012 Ravens had a good defense, but it wasn't the 2000 Ravens defense. And Joe Flacco is Joe Flacco. Yep. So a team that started nine and two hit a major stumbling block, got their bleep together in January. The year before that, the 2011 Giants, kind of a similar story, a November implosion, four straight losses, including a blowout home loss to the five win Washington Redskins at the time. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, dust yourselves off. Go on the road in the playoffs. The Vikings are going to have the advantage of they're at least going to get, unless they totally implode, they're going to get a home playoff game or two. 
So th- that's those are just four teams in the last 11 years that hit a huge stumbling block or got smoked at home in some way, and it didn't ruin their season. In fact, maybe it helped their season. Okay, got to go study some more film. Yeah. Got to make some adjustments, et cetera. Uh, so that loss yesterday does not disqualify the Vikings from doing damage in January, early February. So that, that loss, it does a bunch of things. Some of them good, some bad. But what it does is it is the ultimate, and I think you, you ran through a list of teams that had great character. So you bounce back. And what I like about O'Connell is I don't think he's going to clench up now. I don't think he's going to get mad. I don't think he's going to I, – I think he's a smart guy. I think he's going to learn, and he's going to share what he learns, and I think he's going to keep things cool. Now, we'll find out because we, we – you know, you're playing Belichick, which makes a lot of coaches uptight on Thursday. But um, as far as character goes, I would at least right now bet on the fact that the Vikings are going to bounce back because – the people that lead them, um, I think, have the ability to do exactly that. The second thing is, I'm sure in all of the cases of the teams that you went through, beyond just being a bad game or bad games, when they got blown out, they probably went to school on the film. And so they did learn from it. And if you learn from it, it can help you. Um, the last time the Vikings, so so I, I was talking to our friend Tyler Fornis from Vikings Wire today, of course, where I do some Judd work, VikingsWire.com. Judd Zolgat here for and he VikingsWire.com. And, and Tyler Fornis reminded me that the last time that the Vikings had this happen to them was the 2018 Buffalo game on a Sunday, I believe, blown out by the Bills. And that was a bigger embarrassment than this because that Bills team at that point was up and coming, but nobody, I mean, they were a 16-point dog. I think to this day it remains the biggest a point spread when a team gets blown out. Um, four days after that, I believe, is a game at the L.A. Coliseum against the Rams that the Vikings lost but played well, and it was a shootout, and it was a fun game. So, like, there is the ability to b- bounce back. That's why I said on PD today, I really can't make a judgment here of, like, what this means until Thursday. Yeah. Because it, it's bookends, right? So, like, if you come back strong now and your offensive line plays well and Kirk gets protection and you win... Um, in approximately four or five days, we're going to be really impressed and be like, wow, nice bounce back. Yep. So it's really hard to like, it's very hard for me to pass judgment. Yes, it was embarrassing. Yes, I was surprised. Yes, it was far from ideal. But it's really hard to pass judgment now until until we sort of see how the entire team, including the coaching staff, bounces back. If yeah. they don't bounce back, it's a problem. If they do, it's potentially a lesson learned. And we kind of talked about this after the Buffalo game. I, I was trying to warn the audience. I, I didn't want to kill anyone's buzz, but everyone was kind of like, "Oh my God, this me, this is a, this is a special season. It's a magic carpet ride, and they're just going to go sixteen and one and run. This is this is the season and stuff." It's like well, that's not that's not how the NFL works. Usually, once in a while, there's a team that just coasts to 14, 15, whatever wins, right? Right. But usually. You're going to lose some games in the regular season. You might lose up to five or six games in the regular season. Some of those teams I just mentioned were 10 and six teams in the regular season or 11 and five because they got drubbed a couple times. They lost two or three games in a row, whatever it was, and then you bounce back. But the good news is the Vikings don't have to give back that road win against Buffalo. That reference point and them fighting back from down 17 on the road, that still exists despite this loss. So we know what they're capable of. Now you just have to go back and see what happened against Dallas and see if you can prevent those things from happening against other great pass rushes. 
Absolutely. And depth is going to be tested because you're going to be without your probably maybe the best left tackle in the NFL for a stretch here. And your defense has had some injuries kind of leak in lately, too. So, anyhow, over to Judd. In fact, that's my next statement, which is there is cause for concern here. Christian Derrissaw, I think, will probably miss, and I'm guessing here, a month. Back-to-back concussions within yeah. within a week. Um, I'm sure we can debate should he have played or or not, and that's going to become a topic. I mean, it was with Tua. I think naturally when a guy suffers a follow-up concussion, it's a debate or a topic. Um, that's probably worth talking about. But in this case, I'm just saying left tackle. So I would like to see more quality depth at cornerback, right? And, and when you got a second-round pick like Booth to step in, you should be thinking, okay, he can hold up. He might not be great, but he can hold up. And Dallas was like, hell no. And Dallas attacked him. Um, left tackle, I'm not sure that's a fair ask. Like, you just don't have, well, we've got another left tackle. Left tackle is one of those really premium positions at which you, I think, hold your breath and say, among the guys we can't afford to lose for an extended period, um, and it's not going to sink you, but it's certainly tough, is that spot. So um, I think that there is legitimate cause for concern here. And the other problem is this, guys. When we start talking concussions, th- this isn't a toughness thing. This isn't a, well, Derisaw should tape that up and get back and play. No, it, it worries me. Yeah. It's a man's brain. Uh, it's his life. And and the problem is you can't really, like, address, you can't, like, you're guessing, Right. And you just hope that it's not a long-term thing, too, because I hate to even throw this out there, but you see some players that they get their bell rung a few times, they get a couple concussions, and it becomes a thing going forward. So you just hope that him getting two in back-to-back weeks, I'm with you, I would sit him for a month. Long-term, he's too important. You've stockpiled wins. Even if you lose some games, like you're going to go to the playoffs. It's not worth rushing him back and cutting off his long-term future. You could if you if you were in a really tough spot and you felt like Blake Brandle just couldn't get the job done. Ezra Cleveland was drafted as a tackle too, and he's been pretty rock solid as a guard. So they, they've got some options to try some things at left tackle. I am not. I don't know that he's taken a snap at tackle since. Has, right. did, he, did he work at tackle even as a rookie in the offseason? They moved he him just, to guard moved, immediately. Exactly, right guard at first, right. But if you need, if you needed to, so. If, Ideally, Blake Brandle just works out for a while and he's fine. Right. Uh, but if if you had to move Cleveland or something, there's there's options here Football. to tinker with. But it's not ideal. All right, Dex. My statement is Kevin o- Kevin O'Connell was outmatched, and I'm I'm a little conflicted on this because number one, all right, Mike McCarthy. There's two ways to look at him. Well, he's a veteran head coach who's been around a long time and has seen a lot of football games. He's won a Super Bowl for even for God's sakes. But at the same time, it's also Mike McCarthy. And he does a lot of boneheaded things. Like even taking a timeout that helped the Vikings overturn a call. Like, I'm a little, I'm a little one foot in and one foot out with Kevin O'Connell being outmatched by a guy like Mike McCarthy. Wait, um, you're, you're one foot out on KOC? No, not one foot. Just I'm one foot out on how did he get outmatched by someone like that? But at the same time, knowing that Mike McCarthy is also kind of an idiot and has won a Super Bowl too. So just trying to figure out. How did Kevin O'Connell get that outmatched and outschemed from from Mike <laughs> the McCarthy? Ga- the, that game has broken has broken Declan's it perception has. of coaches. It oh, has. I just called Mike McCarthy stupid. <laughs> I mean, I, I will say 
He does look dumb. Mike McCarthy has a very good supporting cast, right? Like Dan Quinn might. There was there was well, Dan Quinn was going to get the job. I love Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore is yeah. going to get a job this year or this probably, probably this offseason, right? So he's got a good supporting cast. I'm sure that probably props him up a little bit to make up for his lapses. But watching KOC, I think get out coached by Kevin uh, by by Mike McCarthy, who Vikings fans know really well from his Packers days, I think was tough to see. And I think that's what was so like difficult for me to kind of come to grips with. Is like it's not that you just lost to a Cowboys team that has some some decent playmakers. You lost to Mike McCarthy, and that to me has some salt in the wound. I got a question for for you guys. If this game was last year, which it could have been, like, but if Dak had played in that game and and, and the Cowboys put up a forty spot, is Kellen Moore right now the Vikings coach? Because um. Kellen Moore took. That defense to school yesterday. That was impressive. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm with Dex no, on good, this one. It's a good question, Kellen Moore. If if Dallas, if Dallas goes back to the playoffs and like he, he'll get a, he's going to get a job. I'm guessing because and, and actually, the more that guys like KOC succeed, the more yeah. validation it gives you to go get the next young 37 year old whippersnapper, <laughs> offensive minded guy. And he did a good job last year too. That was impressive that. though yesterday. I still don't trust Dallas to not implode in a big situation in the fourth <laughs> quarter at some point. Too. I, that's what I was when it was when it got to be thirty to three, the game was over. But when it was twenty three to three. I'm like, this is still kind of shaping up for a Dallas second half meltdown, right? Oh, yeah. So it's all kind of plays into your hands. That's what I thought. Doesn't feel like it's totally over yet. But. Yep. But with all of that, my next statement is: every Vikings insecurity came to fruition yesterday. Everything that you were kind of still wondering about this team, despite the record reared its ugly head yesterday. You know, how do they follow up an emotionally charged win, right? How do they bounce back and maybe not fall into a trap game? Well, they they failed that test. How can some of these aging defenders, specifically the aging linebackers, keep up in coverage against quick out-of-the-backfield targets, right? Well, Hicks was terrible. Kirk Cousins in a nationally televised game. You're always kind of like, I don't know, these national TV windows, Kirk doesn't play well. Not necessarily blaming Kirk, but, you know, he wasn't good either. Mm-hmm. And uh, the offensive line, we're kind of, hey, the offensive line's better, it's better, but we're all still a little bit nervous that it's not great. And yesterday it all came crashing down. So, yeah, everything that you thought you were a little unsure about the Vikings, despite their 8-1 record, was all laid out on the table, <laughs> cards face up. Your trust tree's been shaken. It has been just a little bit. It's been shaken. It's like they've, they've in the flirted with this bit. performance all year, haven't they? They've kind of like they've done this in yeah. the first half, and then they'll come back or they'll disappear for a while. They've flirted with this all season, and boom, it finally happened. Man, forty though. I mean, yeah, but ugh, it's hard to watch. I think Ryan Wright had a good punt in there somewhere, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah like nine at least them. one atrocious one. Yeah. Anyway, no, when you punt lot. that many times, you're yeah. gonna. Keep You're going to have an outlier in there somewhere. Well, uh, Back to me? Uh, yeah. Any other Viking stuff here? Or yeah, do you wanna, I, I got to rip more. the gopher. Okay. I got one more for you. Cause for concern, too, is my statement because uh, we we have not discussed this yet, but uh, our friend Tom Pelissero, NFL Network, reported yesterday that Justin Jefferson has a slight case of turf toe. Oh. And that Justin Jefferson, of course, said, it's not going to slow me down, Tom. I'm fine, Tom. Uh, you know, we're just telling you this. But anyway, uh I have no idea if this impacted his game, but I will say this. Turf toe is not something to laugh at. I guess it's incredibly painful, 
And I don't know that there's a cure for it beyond rest. And I think it can get worse. So I'm a little bit worried about that. I'm a little bit worried about that because, you know, you slow a guy down a bit. Now, Jefferson played a ton. So hopefully it's nothing. I'm just saying it's certainly something to keep an eye on and keep in mind because it sounds like, oh, his, his toe hurts. That's no problem. No, Everything it's... I've been told is it is it hurts like hell and it can slow you down. He was also only targeted five times, and I get that yeah. there was just a barrage of pressure all day. Yeah, but exactly. it just yeah something felt a little off there when Hawkinson's targeted nine times and Jefferson's targeted five. That's that's not the game plan. I just don't want to dismiss it as nothing because now that it's out there, and I'm guessing that it just total guess occurred on the great catch against Buffalo from the way his foot came down, probably on that. But um, yeah, I just think it's worth at least acknowledging that um, to dismiss it would probably be be to go a little bit too far. We at least have to realize it could have an impact. It feels like such a Minnesota sports thing. Of course he has turf toe. Of course yep. he's just... He, uh, he racks in yards in the first two months. Now, of course, he's hurt. You know? Plantar fasciitis, the injury of choice for a long time in this town. Yeah. Uh, Dex, any final Vikings things from you before no. Judd rips the Gophers? No, I, I also always thought up until like a few years ago, I thought turf toe was like an infection. Like, I didn't know it was, like, an actual yeah. injury. Like, I thought it was just some gross, was like, like... fungus or something? I thought it was, like, athlete's foot on steroids. Like, I, I thought it, I thought it was just some, like, weird fungus that, like, goes on your toe. But no, it is absolutely not. That's not the case. Not even remotely the case. So, yeah, it is. It's, like, the underside of your... It's, like, the... I don't know how you'd explain joint, this. right? It's, like, the yeah, the bottom part of the joint of your toe. Yeah. Where it hinges... And it's it's the part that's always touching the ground, basically. This is why it's called turf toe, right? Yes. Results it's a sprain of the main joint of the big toe. Yes. And it can be hard to hard to walk on. It's the it's the injury allegedly that kept Deion Sanders out of the famous Randy Moss Thanksgiving game. Oh, real oh, nice. Deion Sanders, nice pull, Phil. He had turf toe, and he no. had it for a few weeks, kind of off and on. And and there are some people that thought, oh, maybe Deion is nursing this one because he doesn't want to go up against Randy Moss less than 100%. You put on those highlight reels. He had Moss toe. <laughs> yeah, that's what he had. I got no, my toe's got no interest <laughs> in trying to keep up with 84. Moss toe. That's a good pull. Uh, all right, Judd's going to rip the Gophers here in just a second, but, um, you know, Lake Ridge Liquors in Vadness Heights is probably a good place if you're looking to stock up for a holiday weekend this weekend, huh? That's Dad? right. You got uh, Thanksgiving, got Drinksgiving on Wednesday. I'm going out for a oh. little, little double date dinner on Wednesday. I got, uh, I have like a four Christmases. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Four Christmases, but I have like a four Christmas situation where I have like four different places to go also on Thanksgiving uh, with with, uh, with all the family that's involved. So there will be stops at Lake Ridge Liquor so I can stock up on all the great things that you know, the crazy uncle needs, maybe the future father-in-law needs at Lake Ridge Liquors. Uh, they have over a thousand wines in stock. They even have a rewards program. So I go to the liquor store a lot. So this is the best part. When you go in and you mention score in your rewards program sign up, they will comp you five bucks on your next visit. It's Vad it's in Vadness Height. It's Lake Ridge Liquors off six ninety four in Rice Street. Go check them out. They're off six ninety four in Rice Street, Lake Ridge Liquors. Send us your selfies outside of Lake Ridge or inside of Lake Ridge too. Yeah, there you wanna, go. Or show us your yeah. Yeah. Show us your can, show us your can bottle, I tell you show right us now, your whatever. At 53, a Judd dream has come true. This show has a beer, a bar, and a liquor store. This is Judd's dream. Every night, he's been doing this 
this radio and podcast thing for 12 years. This is all I ever wanted in life. That's <laughs> uh, amazing. Um, all I ever wanted in life was for the Gophers to just win the damn division. Can we just win the Big Ten West? No. It's not Apparently it's not possible for the Gophers to ever win the Big Ten West. Anyway, I'll let you go ahead. The floor well, is clear. You have a Gopher statement. So I'll just ahead. make a statement about him. What an embarrassment. What a bleeping embarrassment that was. The Gophers, the season's an embarrassment. The game against the Hawkeyes, an embarrassment. Um, the coaching, an embarrassment. The the lack of execution to be, I mean, 13 to 10 at home. It was an embarrassment. And and follow-up statement to the to the embarrassment statement is this. It's a lost cause now. I'm done. They, they will never win. They will never get to a Rose Bowl. And I'm not saying part of the playoff. I'm saying the Rose Bowl in the years that they're eligible. They will never get to one in my lifetime. I'm not even going with the before I die. It ain't happening, okay? If you can't do it this year, when your schedule is, sure. what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, it's soft. 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 When your schedule is that soft, no Michigan, no Ohio State. By the way, they're on your schedule next year, okay? When the Big Ten West is this bad, when Iowa and Wisconsin, which, you know, and this is my fault, this is our fault, but when we were saying before, well, I mean, those games are now winnable. Like, you should beat them. The Hawkeyes can't score. And, of course, they come in and school you by passing to their bleeping tight ends. You miss a field goal. It costs you um, You the end of the game. The end of the game. You are driving. Mo Ibrahim, unbelievable day. I saw, I think he was named Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week, okay? You're driving. You get to, like, the nine-yard line of the Hawkeyes. You're going to go ahead. Mo fumbles. Okay, very gopher-like. That's bad. Then, because the Hawkeyes suck offensively, they go three and out. You're in great shape. You're driving again. And you throw a pass. in For a team that, by the way, right now, I believe it goes this. Least passing in, again, in the country goes something like Gophers, New Mexico State, I believe, and the service academies. But you finally throw a pass, and it gets picked off and returned for a touchdown. And it's only not a touchdown because the officials sucked, and they got the call wrong. Um, here's, here's, here's the, mm, the chef's kiss to this crap. At the end of the day, the 2022 Gophers end up in the game against the Hawkeyes for the pig. They not only provide a pig of a game, but they pay tribute to the 2003 and five Gophers with Mason like meltdowns. That, that, that's a meltdown on Saturday. I'm done with it. I'm de- You will never, you know what, play the games. The tailgates are fun. I enjoy them myself. I but, do enjoy tailgates. But anything that has to do with us ever talk, if if I talk about the Gophers going to the Rose Bowl again, reach through the computer from Seattle, Phil, and slap me. Or Declan. Okay. Honest to God. Dude, I actually, I saw an amazing new Instagram account. The guy had a t-shirt on. It was called like, uh, I don't know, something like Slaps for Money or something. And uh, he welcomes people onto his Instagram channel who want to take. He, I, he's like a master slapper. Oh, and I he seen just this guy, yes. winds up, and he yeah, just—it's an unprotected slap to the head. But if you take it, you get a certain amount of money, and then it's content for his Instagram channel. I would <laughs> rather do that than watch another Gophers Iowa game. 
And I won't. I, if you told me there's no money on the line, you either have to watch a Gophers Iowa game or get slapped in the face on Instagram. Which one do you choose? I would prefer to get slapped in the face on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, I'm playing, man. I uh, I had two uh, old Dex tweets at a couple too many uh, on Friday night. Remember, I was supposed to go to a Gopher tailgate on Saturday morning. I I knew you wouldn't go. I uh, woke up at uh, at about eleven a.m. And my friend, hey, where are you coming? Where are you at? No, I'm not. I'm not. Number one, I'm in no state to start drinking again. And two, it's like four degrees with the wind chill. The Gophers are playing <laughs> Iowa. There's no chance I'm making that tailgate. No Why chance. Why doesn't PJ wear a, a stocking cap? Yeah, I just. It's... He's always got that left ear exposed to frostbite. And I'm wondering if it's making him uncomfortable in some of these games. He's just, it's, he's not making the right coaching decisions. Um, my biggest, so I did tweet out and it gained a lot of traction. And I, I was just sort of, I was watching the game half, just half-assed throughout the day as we were bouncing around. And, uh, I said, the, the shine has worn off PJ Fleck. I'm not calling for his head, but oh, I agree. And I certainly don't think he should be fired. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but this was a huge missed opportunity season. Correct. And <laughs> His recruiting has gone down the last couple of years. Clearly, they can't find a quarterback that can operate any sort of functional offense at this point. And uh, their offense is mainly just hand the ball to one guy 40 times. So my my biggest complaints from that game, you know, people were like, well, what's he supposed to do? You know, the running back fumbles and the quarterback throws a fluke interception. It was not a fluke interception. He literally stared the receiver down for a half hour on that play, right? Defender comes up, knocks the ball away. That's what happened. Uh, if you can't find a quarterback that you trust to throw more than six passes in the game, right? that's on you as a recruiter. Yeah. And when you hand the ball 40 times to the same guy, including, didn't he get like 10 carries on that drive or yeah. more? There was like a 13-14 carry drive on one of them. Just you know what? You know what's probably going to happen at some point. He's probably going to get tired and fumble. So, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, some of the fumble stuff is fluky. But if you zoom out, the lack of good quarterback play, the recruiting downturn, the inability to take advantage of these soft spots in the schedule two different times. Uh, I'm not calling for his head, but the shine has worn off, and it's very possible we saw the best deflect in 2019. That's kind of where I'm at. I agree completely with everything you just said, and here's why I have no interest in firing Fleck, and I don't even think it's a discussion. I think now we are to the point where it's officially hopeless because we've gone from Mason, who took the program. I mean, it's hard to now crystallize well, do, go, this. Go back before that. I mean, you just glossed over like 30 other years well, of sure, the but same I'm just saying, stuff. But I'm just saying since 97. Sure, but since 97. Okay, Wacker was a dismal failure, okay? So then you get Mace, and Mace came in and did some really good things. But it got to a point where, okay, we're ready for the next, or he did He did some good things. He turned that, that thing was a dumpster fire. First five, the first five years, yep. I'll give it. Five, but then years. anyway, to your point, I think, it's like, you know what? No, it's time for more. Let's get more. And and so you made a, you made a terrible hire there. And then you went to, dumpster. what, Jerry Kill, who actually did a nice job, again, uh, it didn't work, unfortunately. Now you've gone to Fleck, and I guess here's my question. Who is going to save the day? So, like, if you fired Fleck tomorrow and you're like, we're going to get a new start, who is it? 
Because I just give up. I don't think you're going to find it. Uh, you know what? I'll throw it. Uh, I'm not there. I, I don't even care. To me, I went. I, I went to all the games. I I am a U of M. I'll jump on the bandwagon. Like I'm just. I'm not gonna. It's not gonna determine my happiness on Sunday morning at sure. any point in the near future. Sure. But I honestly think Glenn Caruso, the St. Thomas coach, would be an upgrade over PJ Fleck. That's a Division One school now in their second year. So he was great Division Three, great motivator, everything. Second year Division One FCS, they won the Pioneer League. They've lost one game. They swept through the conference play with with what will what's probably going to be a worse roster now than whatever it's going to be in five years because now they're recruiting with a Division One label. So, um, let me throw this at you since we're you know we're, uh, we made our stop at Lake Ridge Liquors and Park Tavern, we're having a good time here on this Monday morning. Cliff Kingsbury is going to get fired. Would you rather have Cliff Kingsbury or PJ Fleck as your Gophers head coach? I, I don't want Kingsbury. Yeah, probably. I, I don't want Kingsbury. I'm just he's throwing not good, it out there. He's not a There's good guys coach. available. There's yeah, guys but available. but that's my point. Is like, well, I'm not, I will, firing, I'm not firing Fleck. Though. I'm I will just, say I'm, this I'm for Fleck. Him, though. I will say this for Fleck. He is an atrocious in-game coach. He's one of the worst yes. I've seen, and he refuses to get help. Agreed. And on top of it, you can't run the ball. 70 to 75% of your snaps and win as many games as you'd if, if, if you pl- if you plan on winning you know 11 games in a season at some point unless you are recruiting four and five star offensive linemen yeah. and no. no you you need a quarterback to be able to do something at some point and so if your turn is the other thing well the quarterback threw an interception what's well, I don't know. Maybe if he had quarterbacks that knew what they were doing throwing the football because they th- threw the football once in a while, right? They wouldn't be so deer in the headlights when it's time to throw the football in a big game, you know. So, but this is it. I mean, this is. I kind of thought going from kill to fleck. I actually mistakenly thought they were going to open it up a little bit more, throw the ball. He had a at Western Michigan. He had Corey Davis at. He's developed a couple NFL wide receivers to his credit. Yes. But he had Corey Davis, and then I forget the name of that Western Michigan quarterback, but he wound up, uh, he was on like the Colts practice squad. I don't know if he got drafted, but he he wound up in the NFL. So he did develop an NFL quarterback at Western Michigan. So he can do it, and he's an offensive-minded guy, has a wide receiver. But the way the way that he recruits and his like his personality and his recruiting style are so wild out there boisterous, right? Aggressive. And his coaching style and play calling is the exact opposite. It's punt, settle for field goals, run the ball. Weird fourth down. Scared too. of turnovers. It's so, yeah. But like like he goes for it on fourth and one in his early in games at times in his own territory, but then on obvious fourth and ones where he should go for it, he doesn't. And nobody is worse with the clock. My God, you might as well say, you know what, Peach, we're not going to let you see the clock. You're, you can guess better about how to manage it Peach. if you can't see it. Uh, and his timeouts, he burns through timeouts like there. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's very confusing. Yeah. But I give up. I just give up. So anyhow, yeah, we wanted so bad for the Gophers football team to be a thing two months ago. And people we cared two months ago. A thing. Yeah, but, people yeah. cared about it. I'm just, I'm, I'm through. Yeah. Well, we should mm. shut up so Declan can go talk to Realistic Randy and you can go talk to Royce and pump out I some of our, yeah. our other shows here on this Monday. All right. This has been Mackie and Judd, Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment Therapy Speculation.
Uh, we'll do a feedback Friday on a Tuesday tomorrow because it's a weird week with the Vikings playing on Thursday. So get your feedback submissions in through the Scorner North Apple. See you tomorrow.